Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. It's um, it's a rainy day. We have rainy days and we have hot days. It's kind of <laughs> the way it's broken down. So, although yesterday was really nice, I thought. It's yeah. Just a, a nice gentle breeze, and it was just a, a lovely day. And we got a nice email from Don on Cannon Falls asking us if we've had any local sweet corn. And no. I have I not seen but, any, no. But thanks, Don. I'll be thinking about that local <laughs> sweet corn all day because, man, you know, we're given crummy weather here in Minnesota, and to make up for it, they give us wonderful sweet corn and apples. So those are the two of the things that help us make it through the, some of the miserable weather we get. And yeah, I bet I like a lot of people. My wife has boxed up some um, good stuff that we just uh, have no need for or we have too much of. Or, so we're going to take it to the Salvation Army uh, so they can put it in their store and sell it and help people. And so when we're doing that, we're going to keep an eye out for those uh, those people selling some local sweet corn because it's getting around that time and oh it's just so good and and i i tell everybody i don't salt anything but it's a lie because i do salt uh sweet sweet corn corn. yeah me too with butter and and pepper i love it that way that's what my dad put on was pepper and i've I've tried it and it's it's still good, but oh, I gotta have some salt on there. Well, both. Just, pe- do you like the salt and pepper, or just one or the other? You know, I don't know that I've ever tried both. That's good, what? Now, huh? Yeah, it's very very. Good. Uh, you know, <laughs> I've led a sheltered life. You have. Karen, you know, I just yeah, I just my dad would put just pepper on it. Okay. And well. that would and would extol its virtues to the entire family, saying, "You salt people, <laughs> you don't know what you're missing." And I tried it once just because, well, Dad was doing it, so I had to try it. And I went, oh, give me the salt back. And that was kind of the end. So maybe maybe I'm finally matured enough I can give that a shot. But, Don, I hope you are enjoying maybe some sweet corn real soon. It's just uh, it's great stuff. So you know what I've seen a lot of lately, Al, is a lot of Japanese beetles. And did you hear about there's a new invasive lily leaf beetle that's been found in Minnesota. So now we have that to think about as well. It's not here oh. yet, but but you know, it seems like if there's one thing and there's always something else. I, I talked to a guy out in, uh, oh, it'd be the east side of Wisconsin, and they have had Japanese beetles serious numbers of them for quite a while longer than we have and he said they went up and there was a couple years there where they were just doing everything but sawing down the oak trees <laughs> in his yard and he said now they're uh they're bearable they're, the numbers have crashed and he seems that that seems to be kind of the routine where they go way up and then they just come way down so he said uh, he's hoping that's the case and that they stay there. He said they aren't, they just aren't terrible. Because he said, there, boy, he said there was a year there that he was wondering why he was even gardening. I've seen a lot of that. There's some people in certain parts that are saying the same thing, that they're all over and others not so bad. And, well, it's still early, though, because they just start to come out in July. So, I mean, we might not have seen the worst of it because it kind of lasts until the through month into August. So... Um, I'm keeping my eye out. I've had a bunch. I've, I've just frustrated with them. But I'm now I'm thinking my son is getting into this lily breeding, and now they've got this new invasive oh. lily beetle, and I'm thinking, oh, no, I was thinking that we wouldn't have to worry about that stuff. But, oh, well, that's gardening. The last few years I've gotten all these uh, photos from people saying, 
this is the prettiest beetle I've ever seen. What is it? <laughs> Pretty and, evil. And most of them were on roses. That seems to be where people saw them first. And they would send it to me, and I, I, I'd say, well, they're Japanese beetles. And then they would uh, use a few of them would say, well, I, we have them up in the attic, you know, the multicolored Asian lady beetles. Apparently some people call those Japanese beetles, but... I uh, told them that these were not, uh, they were not welcome visitors, really. So I checked out a little house wren box out here, and there were six young house wren siblings crammed into that small house. Not one had its own room or a cell phone, but they seemed to be doing all right. If you uh, walk outside today, folks, you're probably going to hear goldfinch males flying overhead. They have an undulating flight. They call out potato chip or perchicory. And in 1947, and I believe it was again two years later, 49, the goldfinch, the American goldfinch, was proposed to the state legislature for consideration as the official state bird. Other proposed state birds other than the loon, of course, in the 40s, these would be back in the 40s and 50s, so even before the loon, uh, the wood duck, scarlet tanager, morning dove, and pileated woodpecker. I stopped at the uh, Albert Lee has, uh, our Audubon Society there has a purple martin complex, I'd have to say. It's got purple martin houses and gourds. And I heard some purple martins then when I walked on the bike trail. And these purple martins migrate to Brazil. And so that's you know, nine, 10,000 miles round trip. So it's amazing. I was outside, I was pulling some persistent bittersweet nightshade. Mm. Get these little kind of purple flowers on them. But I had to stop before the job was completed because a catbird let me know there was a nest in the jumble of vegetation. And catbirds usually build nests on horizontal branches hidden in, hidden in the center of oh, dense shrubbery, small trees, vines. And the nests are usually four feet off the ground. That's about where I was pulling stuff. They can be as high as 60 feet, but usually they're down pretty low. And the female builds the nest, takes five, six days to build. And the final product is a bulky open cup made of twigs, straw, bark, mud, and sometimes trash. Has finely woven inner lining of grass, hair, rootlets, and pine beetles, or needles, and pine beetles maybe. I'm not sure if they use those. Pine needles. And so I stopped. I just, uh, she was scolding me and was unhappy, and I don't blame her a bit. So they're, uh, I don't hear that, so I hope that the uh, young catbirds have fledged now. Some people have said they don't see the hummingbirds anymore. Have they left, or are they still around, or what? what's going on with them? I saw some this morning, so okay. they should still be around. The males, you know, the males are deadbeat dads, <laughs> so they will hang around kind of, protecting the area they're not so maybe concerned about the female in her nest and the young because they don't help at all they don't feed they just want to chase any other males away so it's very possible that the males have moved to a different area so you might not be seeing them so much one of the things if you have a hummingbird feeder out with nectar in it which i have one out here and they usually visit early in the morning and then late in the day sort of like cardinals feed they don't come to that so much anymore. Uh, they 
they have these young ones and they need to feed them something. So they're feeding their young tiny insects and spiders because that provides a lot of protein for those babies. But they will also come in and get a mouthful of nectar and go to plants and get some pollen and feed that to their babies. But part of the reason you're not seeing them so much is that they are uh, they're busy right now uh, taking care of young ones, and some might still be uh, incubating eggs, but it's, it's really cool to see them. I have sap beetles, uh, also known as picnic beetles. Some people call them picnic bugs, and they become a nuisance in the garden here and on my hummingbird feeders. Uh, picnic beetle adults, they're maybe a quarter of an inch long, and they're black with four orange rust spots on the wing covers. And they can injure fruits and vegetables, probably more common that they feed on fruits and vegetables that have been damaged or infested with a disease. But they also bite, little buggers, they just drive me nuts. And I have a nice hummingbird feeder that nothing can really get in there. This, you know, it's just big enough for a hummingbird tongue to get down in there. But the youngest, the little sap beetles, the tiniest ones, they can squeeze through there. I, I stood there and watched a couple of them. It took them forever, but they'd finally get in there, and then, of course, they'd drown right away. So it was a, a sad thing all around, but they're just, uh, they're everywhere right now. I listened to a cardinal sing this morning, both the male and the female cardinal sing. And uh, I've told uh, everyone I know, I think, that I've been a lifelong fan of the St. Louis Cardinals. And it began when I was a deer boy in the dairy barn in the Philco Wooden Radio Station there, the one with 19 knobs and dials, only two of which made any difference, on-off volume and station select, was able to receive the signal of KMOX, which was a clear channel station with 50,000 watts of power from St. Louis, and I was enthralled by the word pictures painted by announcers like Jack Buck, Joe Garagiola, and Harry Carey. I collected baseball cards, and of course the ones I wanted were the St. Louis Cardinals. I would trade anybody, get rid of those dreaded Yankees. You know, I'd, I'd give the whole team of Yankees up just to get one St. Louis Cardinal. And the images of the birds on the team uniform I learned quickly what weren't true replicas of northern cardinals. Uh, they had yellow bills and light eyes, where the real bird has a reddish-orange bill, although the juveniles have gray to black bills, and dark eyes that look almost black. But you know what? I'm still a cardinal fan. I watched a raccoon kit in the yard. It was uh, just getting uh, the the dark, the dark of dark. And this raccoon kit, little guy, he grabbed a couple fireflies out of the air with his paws, and he snapped another from the air in one boy, bite. Just bam, he got out of the air, and he ate them with apparent relish. Or it may have been onions, I'm not sure, but I've read many times that mammals find fireflies distasteful but uh, boy not this young and he was eating them down and i'm sure he's in that age where he's just trying a little bit of everything to see what it is raccoons eat and then he'll soon discover that they eat everything no matter what you put out there they will eat it 
Uh, pandemic birding. Uh, I told this to a couple kids the other day. I said, try identifying 12, a dandy dozen of birds from the window of your house. And then use each bird name in a sentence before identifying a 13th. Uh, you'll discover that most birds are weatherman handsome. They're just lovely creatures. And another hero, Paul Berg of Butterfield. He uh, found this Eurasian collared dove, and he's another one that took it all the way up to the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center in uh, Roseville. Quite a trip from Butterfield, but Paul said he just he was happy to do it, and he heard back that the dove was great and was released, so everything was good. Got an interesting note from uh, Margaret Mason. Uh, uh, I can't remember if it was a text or an email. Said, hi, you lucky bird watcher. Now I forget who I'm writing to. Oh, thank you. Oh, Al Bath. <laughs> so uh, has anybody else ever done that? You're sending, you're typing away, and all of a sudden you say, wait, who am I sending this to? And Margaret did that, only she sent it anyway. So that's uh, thank you very much, Margaret. Uh, Ken Nelson of Clark's Grove said, I've never gone through so much bird seed and suet as I have this year. And he has twin fawns in his yard. Uh, Rick Hollis said, we had taken down our jelly feeders when the Orioles moved on to other feed. A week or so ago, we started to see one around our feeders. We still had some jelly left in a jar. So Janet got the feeder out and started putting some jelly in it. Not much. Okay, not much not much jelly, I'm guessing, is what the not much is. He said, and sure enough, some Orioles showed up along with cat birds. Today we watched an adult male feed a young bird. They did not stay long. The young only got a few bits before they left for insects. Yeah, this is a great time to put up a jelly feeder again. The only problem with this time of year is all the insects that get in mm -hmm. there. But if you put a little bit at a time out, you will get the... Uh, adult Orioles coming in and feeding the babies. I'm watching uh, that today, and I'm also watching gross beaks. And it, it's really cool. I've watched both the mom and the dad feed the babies on a window feeder here. And they just flutter their wings, and they make a odd kind of whining sound that just uh, kicks in that parental instinct. Uh, Michael... Oh, I always get Michael's last name wrong. I think it's Etken, O-E-T-K-E-N. So a wood thrush in Watwin County. Brad Abendroth saw a blue grosbeak in Brown County. Chad Hines of Mankato, but he was birding in Watwin County, saw a gadwall common gallinule. A Howard Toll in Waseca County saw a yellow-breasted chat, and boy, that's a bird I want to see in Freeborn County, because I, I don't have one in Freeborn County, so I have one in Waseca County. Andrew Nihu saw a blue grosbeak in Nicolette County. Listener says, where could I see the most hummingbirds? I imagine this is indicating when and if we're able to travel again. Shouldn't you go to if the Nine Nature Center? Isn't that where all the hummingbirds are? <laughs> Yeah, or Henderson, uh, Henderson yeah, oh, yeah. Garden. But if you want to, 144 species of hummingbirds, that's how many Columbia, the country of Columbia has. Wow. 144. It's just amazing. Ecuador has, depending on who you talk to, 
132 or 134 species. So those would be the two places if you're just a, a hummingbird nut. I was in Costa Rica, and I think uh, we'd go to these gardens, and I think they were talking about 52 or something species there in Costa Rica. Speaking of that, I do a Christmas bird counts every year, and I got to thinking, what is the greatest number of bird species ever reported by any U.S. location in a single Christmas bird count? And it's 250. And that was observed in 2005 in Matagorda County, Mad Island Marsh Count Circle, and that'd be around Matagorda, Texas. 250, I just can't imagine it. You know, we're tromping around here with our long underwear on and <laughs> the ugliest hat we can find to keep our ears from falling off. And, uh, boy, you know, we get 40 or so. We're just thinking, man, this is good. But 250 species, that's incredible. That uh, It'd be fun to do one of those once just to uh, have the experience to see that many birds. And I bet they all take a jacket anyway, all the birders, because no matter where you are, I guess you can get cold if you're uh, used to 95-degree weather and all of a sudden it drops to 75, you're going to get cold and probably need a jacket. Um, where do crows nest, someone asked. Crows typically nest in the crotch near the trunk of a tree or on a horizontal branch, generally towards the top. Oh, boy, probably the top third, maybe even the top quarter of a tree. Have, have you ever seen to... one? You know, now that you mentioned it, I've never seen a crow's nest before. Cause oh, they're, yeah. They're pretty yep, big, so like... are their nests pretty big as well? They are, and they seem to prefer to nest in evergreens, but that's not always the case. It just seems like if they have a choice, they're going to take an evergreen. The nest is, uh, I'd say, I'm holding my hands far apart like a fisherman here, a <laughs> foot and a half across, wow. and then probably 8 to 12 inches deep. And the life of a typical nest is about 10 weeks uh, to get it in production and everything. There's a week to two and a half weeks building it. Then you got six days egg laying, 20 days incubating, and then four weeks of nestlings, and then they're done with that nest. Uh, the nests are well-made structures, largely made of twigs, and can remain intact for years. Uh, occasionally, a pair will repair and reuse an old nest or build a new nest on top of an existing one. Uh, sometimes other uh, critters will take uh, a cr maybe an owl will fly in, a great horned owl, and just say, um, um, taking over this, and they will become uh, some of those bad renters that just don't pay and do no upkeep or anything else. I a listener said, I saw a great blue heron kill and eat a chipmunk. Is this common? I've seen them eat chipmunks, a pocket gopher once, a young muskrat once, their diet could be described as varied. An interesting aside on the heron, when one catches its limit of fish, it has to stand on one leg. It's a requirement of its fishing license. But, yeah, I have seen them eat chipmunks. I talked to a friend once that said, uh, well, I want to say 15. She saw it eat 15 chipmunks. Just kept going down there. And, you know, chipmunks, they're pretty, uh, boy, we think cats are curious. Chipmunks are really curious. 
Well, I sent and you, your wife, a picture of a squirrel eating a bird. You're talking about, and I thought that was the oddest thing, but apparently that's a thing as well. They are omnivores, so they will eat everything from uh, fruit and berries to insects to sunflower seeds to, uh, oh, wow. some garden produce. They will eat baby birds. They'll eat eggs. They would pro- They would catch and eat a small bird if they could, but the chances are greater that the bird has flown into a window or a... Uh-huh. Uh, a, a wire or something and fall into the ground and the squirrel just walking along and saying hey Food. lunch and away they go with this <laughs> so yeah they will eat just about anything that's uh that's how they do so well in this world i guess the squirrels and why we see them just about everywhere and wonder how the what they're eating and then we all we feed them too you know we're we're kind and put out bird feed but they think those bird feeders are squirrel feeders. They don't know. They just think, boy, those people really like us. And so they they do well, but they are uh, definitely uh, meat eaters. You know, even huh. deer on occasion will eat baby birds that are on the ground. Really? Ground nesting birds, oh. yeah. I so. thought that they were herbivores <clears throat> or, you know, vegetarians. That's what they want everybody to think. You know, they have the PR department working for them, saying, "Oh, we, you know, we just don't eat." But they will on occasion. Oh. And now, with all the uh, trail cams and cameras that people can set up, they have um, film, a video of deer eating baby birds and things. And I don't know if every deer does that. I'm sure some just go, ew, I'm not eating that. And then we'll give a story about birds and how it's bad for you to eat them and everything. And But, uh, yeah, they will sure eat huh. things like that. So I, I get this question every year, and it's a great question. Are buckthorn berries bad for birds? We're all trying to get rid of buckthorn. Yes. I, I'm no fan of buckthorn. I just, uh, it's, it crowds out native plants, and it's, it's not as good for uh, the things that uh, feed on, a lot of things feed on the native plants. That's what they're set up for. Native creatures, they're feeding on this because that's, uh, that's the way it's always been. Then we get in a buckthorn that takes over and it just throws things out of whack. The berries of buckthorn aren't the best food. Just get that out of the way. It's a good form of carbohydrates, I'm guessing, but it has little fat, and a lot of birds need fat. So the plants aren't welcoming to certain caterpillars that provide food for the birds. So we have a lot of birds that eat caterpillars, and a lot of these caterpillars are on native plants, and they don't know all about this buckthorn thing. So some of the caterpillars will avoid non-native plants. So there could be fewer songbirds where there's more buckthorn because they don't. there's no caterpillars there for them to eat. But does ingesting the berries cause sickness or death in birds, as I've read, I don't know, so many times? And there's been some studies on this, and it has shown that that's not true. Um, <clears throat> most fruits, the berries pass through a bird's digestive system quickly, but most fruits do. So it's not just buckthorn berries. Most of the fruits, anybody that's had a yard with a mulberry tree can attest to that. It just goes through them. Uh, Birds are 
typically much better than we are at balancing their diets. But the thing about buckthorn, I will say, is it highlights the importance of native plants. So we're much better off with chokecherries, service berries, whatever we can for small trees with berries on them than buckthorn. Buckthorn is just... Uh, well, you know, initially it, buckthorn was brought and sold as a, a shrub for for hedges and things and so everybody has it and then they didn't realize how badly it spreads and became invasive and so now it's it's a invasive species and so you want to get rid of it but that's how some things actually start where they're thinking oh look how pretty this is and I think even some of the Japanese barberry were sold as landscape plants because they're pretty but then they get out of hand because the birds eat it or whatever and the seed spreads and then they're all uh, crowding out all the native stuff. Yeah, barberry is certainly one. Loose strife mm-hmm. is another one. And uh, I I remember years and years ago, I was leading a walk on Summit Avenue up in St. Paul. And it was way back in the time, I think Malcolm Moose lived there and maybe Ann Landers or Dear Abby or those kind of folks. And we're walking along and the hedges there were made, uh, good share of them were made out of buckthorn. And it was made out of buckthorn because it kept its leaves so late. It was, I mean, it was so hardy it couldn't kill the stuff. And birds flew into it, so everybody said, boy, the birds seem to like it. But it was buckthorn. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you have one buckthorn plant, you're going to have a, a number of them because <clears throat> they, uh, they do spread, and they spread quickly. Um, buckthorn is, is stiff competition for other uh, other plants and it's tough on the insects and birds sometimes but again as far as eating those um, it's not going to hurt anything I do know they taste soapy they do? you've uh, tasted them? yeah why? Uh, because I was a a young fella (laughs) if it was a berry I thought boy oh it must be good yeah and there's nobody around here to tell me not to eat it. Al, your parents are lucky you survived. I'm sure you tried all kinds of things that could have killed you, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think I can't speak for girls, but I I think that's probably true of every boy. We just figured the whole world was edible on some days. And it's um, some days it was okay, and some days it didn't work out so well. Hey, Al, I wanted to mention, this is important because our friend John in New Ulm is back. He's back in New Ulm for a bit he, and he did comment on his sister needs surgery and more chemo. So we, you know, thinking of him with that. Uh, he's starting work back again this weekend at the theater, I believe. And on Sunday, he said he, uh, at his dad's house in Andover, he saw a deer and two sandhill cranes and a turkey in Andover on his yard. And he saw a cicada wasp in his yard in New Ulm. So that's from John from cool. New Ulm. I heard uh from uh, a friend who lives in Ormsby, Clarence Holm, and he uh, he saw a uh, cicada killer wasp the other day and was amazed at the size of it, how big it was. And he was uh, saying that I, uh, probably a lot of people are thinking that's like one of the murder hornets or something because they've heard about them. But it's uh, they're they're good guys. I like them, and uh, we should be hearing cicadas now. So everybody yes. keep an ear out for that. And uh, I've heard one. I think is probably about all. But uh, we should be hearing them now. So uh, John, it, it's good to hear from you. And man, my heart goes out to your sister. That chemo's. Uh, 
it's tough stuff, but it works. So that's the the best thing I can say about it. Having gone through it, it's uh, and I know she has before. So my thoughts are with you, and my thoughts are with all you for listening. Man, I hope you have a good day. We just uh, we need good days, and why shouldn't we have a good day? You know, I haven't been in a fast food restaurant or convenience store since well early March, but I still remember them. I like iced tea and frequently grabbed a cup of that fine liquid and returned for a wad of crumpled bills. I drank more iced tea when I was traveling because I'm not a soft drink drinker at all, so you would always grab the iced tea. And when I get one of those cups of iced tea, I would invariably grab the wrong size lid for the cup. It, no matter what, I just grab the wrong one, and then I'd feel guilty because then I'd spoiled the the lid, and I didn't want to put it back in there because it just seemed like the right thing to do. I have three keys for an office I haunt, and I don't label or mark them, which would be a wise thing to do. That's why I don't do it. And typically, the right key is the third one I try in the lock. It's a swollen head victory when I hit it on the second try. So, oh, man, I do that little happy dance when I hear that clicking. And if I get it right on the first key, I stride the earth for the rest of the day, feeling as I did when I was Times Person of the Year in 2006. Some of you might not remember that (laughs) happening. It was announced in Times December 25th, 2006 issue. The cover of the magazine featured a computer monitor with a reflective mylar pane intended to reflect the face of whoever held the magazine. It came as a complete surprise when I saw it was me. Remember, folks, Heartland is while we're driving past. Uh, do something wild today. Get out there and look at the bird. And I hope every one of you uh, feels like Times Person of the Year today. Thanks, Karen, as always, for your wonderful company. Thanks, Al. Hey, we'll chat with you again next.